0: and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. All right, so we need to understand that Ezekiel had been prophesying that, that Jerusalem would fall, that the temple would be destroyed. And, and the first thing that I want us to see is, is this, is that no matter how dire the situation, God does not abandon us. No matter how dire the situation, God does not abandon us. Hear me when I'm telling you that the Israelite people had the most dire situation they'd ever understood. Because here's what was going on in their minds. They just got word in in Babylon that Jerusalem had fallen. If you go back a couple of chapters, you see a messenger comes and tells them that. And Jerusalem's gone. Turned into rubble. The temple is destroyed. And so all of a sudden, the Jewish people have this reality that everything that I believe, everything that I think is true, is no longer true. Because they believed, as long as the temple was there specifically, that God was with them, and and God would be their God, and they would be his people. No matter what happened, no matter what they did, as long as the temple was there, and now the temple's gone. And the very natural, normal conclusion is, is that God has left us. We're no longer his people. He's turned his back on us and has nothing to do with us. And so we're going to have to find a new God. That would have been a normal process of thinking for them. Because God's done. And they begin to process the reality of what was going on. Is We're here in this situation because of what we did, of, of who we are, and the choices that we make. And, and God has chosen to abandon us. So when you go through the passage, and and this was a vision, by the way, the the hand of the Lord was on me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And the idea is is that when bones are very dry, they've been dead a long time. And there's no hope of resuscitation for them. There's, There's no hope of them coming back to life. And so the idea and the vision was is that the Israelite people thought they were so far gone that they were completely hopeless that God would ever love them again. So God tells Ezekiel, verse 4, Prophesy to to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make them breathe. Um, I will make breath enter you and you will come to life I will attach tendons to you and make make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin I will put breath in you and you will come to life then you will know that I am the Lord and so what God says Ezekiel tell the bones I'm going to bring Israel back they've lost everything and the problem was is that they had to lose everything to understand how important God really was to them They had to lose everything so they would realize how significant God was. And and they needed to lose everything so that they would understand that they brought this upon themselves. Because God, for hundreds of years, has sent messenger after messenger after messenger, come back to me, come back to me, come back to me. And they kept saying no. But God says, I'm not done with my people. I'm not done with them. In fact, history tells us that when Nebuchadnezzar came in 680 or 588 BC, he encircled Jerusalem and, and surrounded, basically, starved the people out, and then built the ramps and tore down the walls and, and destroyed everything. And, and in that, they lost everything. But God says, You've lost everything. Our relationship is hurt and broken, but I have not abandoned you. I have not abandoned you. You're still my people. And I think right now, as we go through this part of our history, it's real easy to come to the conclusion and think, God, where are you? What's going on? And, and you may be in a part in your own individual journey where, where it's like, God, where are you? <laughs> Have you abandoned me? Have you left me? And, and I want to make it clear that God does not ever abandon his people. Never. See, we talked last week about sovereignty. We talked about how everything we go through, God, God knows it. He understands it. He sees it. He knew it before it was going to happen. He, he knew the difficulties we were going to have. In fact, we understood that either he caused them or at the very least allowed them. And he hasn't abandoned us because he knows exactly what we're going through. Jesus said it this way. He said, every time a sparrow calls, falls from the sky, the Father knows it. And you are so much more valuable than a sparrow. In fact, the Father knows how many hairs are on top of your head. And so whatever it is that we're facing, we have to realize God has not abandoned us. He has not turned his back on us. Now, that doesn't mean it will always go the way we want it to. But he has not abandoned us. See, one of the things that is difficult for us is sometimes we create a mess of our own lives and we just want God to fix it. Right? I can't tell you how many times I've counseled with couples about finances and they come with tens of thousands of dollars of credit card debt, cars they can't afford, bills they never be able to pay and say, would you pray that God would fix this? I say, okay, let's stop a minute. God didn't create this problem, you did. And let's be honest, you need to look in the mirror and you need to ask yourself some questions and talk about amongst you, how, how are we spending our money? What does it look like? How, how does that go? And, and so many times as we go through this life journey, we create a mess of things and we go to God and say, God, fix it. We do bad things in relationships or we do bad things at work or wherever it is. And we say, God, please save me from this. And, and really we're saying, God, please save me from my own stupidity. And sometimes we have to stop and look in the mirror, and we have to be honest and say, I'm the problem. You see, that's what the Israelite people had to do. They had to stop and say, you know, the real issue here is not God, it's us. And they did. And they changed everything, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. So sometimes um, God hasn't abandoned us. We've just made a mess of things ourselves. But then there are other times that life sends us things that are so hard and so incredibly frustrating and difficult that it seems like God doesn't care. But he never abandoned his people. I don't typically watch America's Got Talent. I don't Does anybody want to confess that that is a show that you watch? Okay, a few people, all right. So occasionally there'll be what they call the golden buzzer moments. Uh, so if somebody's good enough they get a, a button pushed and they go to the finals or they go to the live performances contest part of it anyway occasionally there'll be something that comes up on YouTube about a golden buzzer moment and, and I'll just watch it just want to see okay how good are they so I was watching one of those and this one had been watched like 35 million times it's like good grief so I watched it it was a young lady I'm a, I have her name here Jane Markuski, she goes by the name, by the title, Night Birdie. Okay? Um, and she came out to sing, very thin, very little hair, beautiful smile. And so the judges, there's four judges, and they were talking to her, and, and I would just show you the video, but we can't. It's illegal because uh, the network owns it. Um, but um, so she comes out, and the, the judges start asking her questions. And they uh, said, what are you going to sing for us? It's a song that I wrote myself. Um, what's it called? It's called It's Okay. And so they began talking to her, and she wasn't going to tell them anything. And, and, and she said, what's the song about? It's about the last year of my life. And uh, so what do you do for a living? Well, I haven't been working because I'm fighting cancer. And one says, well, are you okay? So, well, I just found out I have cancer in my spine and my lungs and my liver. One of them says, oh, it's really not okay. She said, well, not in every way. So anyway, she sang a beautiful song, beautiful voice, and at the end she got the golden buzzer. Um, and, but what they didn't tell you is the whole story. She was interviewed later, and it turns out that she's been told she had a 2% chance of survival. And I was like, okay, I'm seeing this story. I'm watching her. I'm, inter- I'm, I'm seeing how she's interacting. I, she knows Jesus. I know she knows Jesus. So I said, i got to find out. So I began to research, and finally I found an interview where she's talking about her faith. She talks about, and and in this story, also her husband abandoned her. This was her third run with cancer, and he said, that's enough, I'm out. But she keeps this amazing smile, and she keeps talking about, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not, but I know my God's faithful. And I look at that story, and and if you haven't watched it, you need to. Just have a Kleenex ready, because it's tough. But no matter how difficult life was, no matter how frustrating, how heartbreaking, she knew God never abandoned her. Here's what I want to tell you. Life is hard. There are parts of the journey that stink. And it's easy to go to God and say, where are you? Why have you left me like this? But he hasn't. He knows it's part of your journey. And he will never abandon you. There may be something you're supposed to learn. Maybe not. There may be someone you're supposed to minister to. Maybe not. Maybe you're just supposed to model what it's like to follow Jesus in, in a time of heartache. I, I don't know, but here's what I do know: is God knows what you're going through, and He has not abandoned you, and He's available to you. See, the Israelite people, when they thought God had abandoned them, Ezekiel came with this message of the dry bones, and it was a message of hope, as we'll see in a minute. It was a message of hope, but they had to wait 50 years for it to be fulfilled. I don't know why they had to wait 50 years, and they had some lessons to learn. That's why I I don't know why people have to go through cancer. I I don't know why people lose their jobs. I, I don't know why things don't work out the way we want them to work out, but I do know that our God is faithful, and he does not abandon us. And Sometimes he's just waiting for us to run to him. Sometimes he's just waiting. Are you going to run to me or not? But here's the even greater part of the story. Is that God can fix all kinds of brokenness. All kinds of brokenness. So he goes on. And, and, you know, comparatively, what Ezekiel was called to do is... Not a big deal. Preaching to bones in a vision is a lot of easier than lying on my side for 390 days. Um, so, verse 7, he says, So I prophesied as I commanded, as I was commanded. And, and I was prophesying. There was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, Son of Man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe from the four winds, and, and breathe into, the, in, into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And so here's what God was predicting. You Israelites believe your country's dead. You believe you as a people don't matter anymore. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fix all the brokenness. I'm going to take that which has been assumed dead, your existence as a people, and I'm going to revive it. We're going to start over. We're going to fix all this brokenness. We're going to fix all of this heartache. We're going to fix all of this disappointment. We're going to fix all of this horribleness, and we're going to fix it and make it right, and we're going to start over together. And I think one of the most important messages that we have today is in our brokenness, God can't fix it. Now, let me say it clearly. He doesn't always choose to, and I don't understand that. But he has the ability to do so. He can't fix it. They and I were uh, doing a jigsaw puzzle not too long ago. And it was a picture of all these bright colors in a flower pot and um, it got really confusing at times But anyway, it took us about a week And we were getting towards the end And there was one piece we couldn't find And so we probably had I don't know, it was a 500 puzzle 500 piece puzzle We probably had, I don't know, 50 pieces left And we were going through trying to find this one piece Because it would just make the picture so much better So we looked and we looked We tried every piece, we couldn't figure it out Our kids came and they looked and they tried And we, we couldn't, nobody could find this piece so we decide, okay, we'll just do the rest of the puzzle and maybe it'll be left over at the end. So, and by the way, this was a brand new puzzle. We get to the end and there are three pieces missing. We get on our hands and knees. We look on the floor. We, we try everything. We look in the vacuum cleaner. We, we do. It, where are these three pieces and they're nowhere to be found? And there was absolutely nothing we could do other than go buy another version of the puzzle and go through it and find those three pieces, which wasn't going to happen. And so we walk away from that puzzle and we realize this puzzle is never going to be complete. And I don't know if you know me, but I'm a very competitive person and it's going to bother me to my grave (laughs) that that puzzle was not done and three pieces were missing. I didn't call the company. I didn't do anything. I was just like, oh, why can't I finish this puzzle? No matter what I did, I could not fix the puzzle that was broken. There is no puzzle. There is no situation. There is no circumstance that God does not have the capacity to fix the brokenness. I've seen him fix brokenness physically. People made well that should never have gotten well. I've seen him fix brokenness relationally. People whose marriages had absolutely no hope. And, and one, of the, one of the folks would come to me and say, do you think there's any hope for my marriage? And yes, there is because our God is so big and so powerful. And time and time again, I've seen God step in and fix that brokenness. I've seen God fix financial brokenness, that people have issues that come up, no fault of their own, and all of a sudden God intervenes financially in a way that nobody ever expected, and it's like, wow, look what God did, because God can fix that brokenness. We can talk about jobs. We, we, we can talk about friendships, all kinds of things. God has the ability to do the impossible. And, and I think it's important for us to see that, because we, we live in a time of great hopelessness, of great despair, and we live in a time when people need to see that there is hope in our God. He can't fix what is broken. And I think that's a real powerful message in Ezekiel that that God says, you know what, I know it's broken and I know it looks irredeemable, but I can fix it, and I'm going to fix it. And one of the things that jumps out to me in this story is God asked Ezekiel, can these bones come to life? And his answer was so incredibly mature in his faith. He said, Sovereign Lord, you know. And that was it. See, so Ezekiel said, I've been doing this gig long enough with you. You've been asking me to do these crazy things. And I've been thinking I know what's going to happen and how it's going to go, but the truth is, I have no clue. And Ezekiel learned what Job had such a hard time learning: that God was God and He wasn't and I think really that's what we struggle with so when life gets out of control we lose control and we don't like it we want it to make sense but our God can he can fix the brokenness I've seen him heal people from addictions miraculously i don't understand it I've seen it happen though he can fix brokenness but in his sovereignty i trust him to do that when he wants to and when he doesn't and i think it's important for us if you watch preachers on tv especially to understand that we can't make god do anything We can ask knowing that he can, even begging him to, but he is in no obligation to do what I want him to do because he sees a bigger picture. So all that to say, whatever brokenness is there, he can fix it. He hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't turned his back on us. He hasn't given up on us. There is hope for us. Now and for eternity. And he'll get it right. He'll get it right. He may not get it the way I want it, but he will get it right for his kingdom purposes. So today, I just want to challenge you. If, if you're going through a horrible time, if you're going through a difficult time, God knows. It's no shock to him. It's not like I go to him and say, God, I'm I'm suffering here. Oh, really? Thanks for letting me know. He knows. He knows exactly what we need, exactly when we need it. Because he can fix brokenness. can fix your brokenness and mine some of us just need to ask where are you hurting today do you trust God to be God let's pray father I thank you for the story of Ezekiel and I thank you for his faithfulness and his willingness to do such bizarre things And I thank you for the growth pattern in his life and how he came to the point where he was able to say, you know what, you're God and I'm not, so I trust you. And Lord, I I pray that we would get to that point, realizing and never forgetting the reality that you can heal brokenness. And so, Father, I want to pray for anyone that is here that is going through heartache and disappointment that today you give them peace. That down deep in the core of their being, they find peace because you're their God. Father, just show off in someone's life today. And I thank you that you're not bound by our limits of understanding. Now, Father, I pray for this time, and I pray that it would be everything you want it to be. And I pray if there's anyone here that does not know you, that today they would connect to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God is the healer of brokenness. And that's true spiritually. We go through this life journey separated from God because of choices we've made called sin, and that sin separates us from God, and there is a a brokenness inside of us that we can't fix. We want to make it right, and we want to fix it, but we can't. So the Father sent Jesus to die on the cross so that our sin problem could be taken care of and our brokenness could be made whole. And if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your life as your forgiver and leader, I want to invite you to make that decision today. In just a minute, as we sing, I invite you to walk through these doors to the Welcome Center and let's talk about faith and what it means and what it looks like. Or maybe today you have questions about faith, things that are confusing to you, then please come ask, and I promise you not to be judged in a negative way by your questions. But if you sense God drawing you to himself, say yes. What a fantastic choice he's given you. Maybe you're here today and you're already a follower of Jesus and God has put it on your heart that you need to be a part of this community of faith. I invite you when we're done to come by the Welcome Center. And let's talk about faith and what that looks like. And talk about membership and what that looks like and what it means. Or maybe today you need God to step up in a big way. Ask him. Ask him because he can do what we think is impossible. You respond today as you feel led, as we stand and worship together.
1: Thank you for joining us this week. Let's go out and love people well. See you next week.